Mark chapter 1. If you remember last week, uh, we basically, the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a little bit of historical background. We got, kind of got that out of the way, and we read the first eight verses, praise the Lord. We will begin to take bigger chunks as we go along here, progressively more and more, but uh, I want to kind of just spread that out a little bit as we go. So as we studied last week, John came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and preparation for the Messiah. Prepare the way of the Lord, right? And he began to tell them a bunch of seeker-friendly things like, you brood of vipers, repent of your sins, and all this wonderful stuff that we don't want to hear in our hearts. And uh, we remember that the very beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ begins with what? The word repent. What does the word repent mean? It means to turn. It means to say, God, what you say about what is my condition, I agree with. And in that so, that's just not a recognition, but it's a heart that says, I'm going to submit my will to your will and go, I will go. And it's not a feelings thing. How many of you like to repent? How many of you feel like repenting? No, it's, it's not a, something where we do it based upon our emotions. Um, if you remember uh, in, in the uh, financial series, I love this uh, analogy he gives. He goes, everybody, right now, close your eyes. And he says, everybody has to close your eyes and go, I want you to point north. And everybody closes their eyes and they point north. And he goes, you gotta, you got to just do it. Just go with it and point north. And they point north. And he goes, everybody open your eyes. Everybody's hands are going this way, that way, that way. It doesn't make a difference what we feel is north. We have to go upon what is truly north. We go upon the Word of God. Amen? And so when the Lord says repent, it's not a feelings thing. It's yes, it's an obedience, it's a call. But at the same time, it's our hearts being pierced by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need that as Christians. How many of you have been walking with the Lord for quite a while and you've become kind of uh, just callous to what the, the voice of the Lord you, you don't have that burning in your heart to do what He wants you to do anymore. You kind of feel just like, you know, I'm, I've got the routine down, I'm going to Sundays, I'm doing whatever it is. And there's just this death that's creeping into your life and you feel just dead inside. Boy, that's a dangerous place. Repent. Go back to your first love. Do what's contrary to what your emotions are telling you. Go and be a man or a woman of prayer. Go study the Word. Go hang out with other Christians. Confess our sins to one another. And begin to do what you know you should do in your heart. And then the emotions follow. It's like marriage. How many of you feel like taking out the trash? I don't feel like, I feel like tearing, taking out the trash. But we do it because we love one another, and that's what we do. Going to church and all this stuff shouldn't be a uh, thing. It should be a response to a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's commitment. But that's a lot to learn for all of us, for myself included. So we have this guy named John who has prophesied about several hundred years before he came on the scene. And his father, Zechariah, John the Baptist, if you remember John and Elizabeth, they had a kid and his name was John. And he couldn't speak. He was the 
priest who would go into the temple that year, and he prophesied uh, when he had a chance, uh, when he was able to speak in Luke chapter 1, verse 76. And it says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, and you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from the heaven from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet to the path of peace boy aren't we kind of like a people living in the shadow of death and in darkness how we need the light and the mercy of god to shine upon us i need it in my life i just need him to be gracious to me pursue me lord god i need you to pursue me i I've, i'm at the end of myself I, I can't pursue you i don't feel like pursuing you lord grace me with your presence do a work in my heart contrary to me i we need him is what i'm saying boy this is a dark place and we have all the accoutrements of a society that would be comfortable in in consumerism and all these types of things but how do we need the presence of god to illuminate us and to make us aware of the truth of of his kingdom and how the enemy can blind us and make us so dumbed down by giving us little bones to make us feel okay inside. You know, we tend to be a very religious society. I think Walla Walla is a pretty neat place. They say God on the radio. That's amazing. I mean, coming from San Diego, you know, and this is a really neat place, but I think the other side of that is you can get kind of used to it. And I think when we're looking at these Jews, they were a very religious people. They had the laws. They had all these things that they would go to. They had church. And, you know, and I look at when Jesus came and he wept over the people that last week. What was he doing? He's weeping and crying. What were they doing? They were burning the sacrifices. They were doing everything they were supposed to do, and they missed him. He was outside the gate. And how we can become dumbed down to the, th- to the things of God in our hearts. And here John was sent to prepare the way. And notice where he was. He was out in the desert. He wasn't in the middle of the city. He was out in the wilderness. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the wilderness, but how many of you would like to travel to the wilderness to go see a guy in who camel's hair, coat, who eats bugs? To tell you, yeah, you brood of vipers, repent. <laughs> that must have been, there must have been a real hunger and a thirst that, the, that God had been doing in their lives. A real spiritual depravity that would have been going on for quite a while. They'd probably been going through the motions of going to church and, and doing all these types of things. But there was no connection with God. It wasn't there. They were dying inside. And so here John comes to this guilt-ridden and burdened society of people in darkness and the shadow of death. And when they heard that their sins could be forgiven, wow, by, the, by baptism, by confession out to the Lord, they were just blown away. They were blown away. They were absolutely, what? This is something altogether different altogether different than the heavy legalistic society they had grown up. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants us to come to him, not to a system, not to a bunch of jumping through hoops. He wants to come to him. The the scriptures, although they're important, and we've got to go to them, they testify of him, the person of Jesus. Are we in relationship with Jesus Christ? But John's message was twofold to the people. He said, repent. 
and get ready for the Messiah. Repent, that first message. And that's our message as Christians to the world. Repent. Boy, we better be living it, huh? And get ready. Jesus is coming. He's coming again. First time he came on a donkey, the king of peace. Second time he's coming on a horse, the Lord of war. He's coming to clean house. We want to have our hearts right with him. But the work in our the work of the Lord in our lives is the same. The gospel always begins with repentance. Repent. To change our mind, to turn from sin. Again, that isn't an emotional thing. It, it, there are emotions involved, but it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of your volition. It's a matter of our will saying, I will to change. I give you this, Lord. How many of you are struggling with areas that you need to change in your life? How many of you are basing your decisions upon your emotions? I really, really, really don't feel like that, God. So therefore, I will continue down this path. Boy, that leads to a life of death. Emotions are wonderful. And we're to praise God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. King David danced around in his loincloth going, ah, Lord, I love you, you know? Emotions are wonderful, and they're awesome to have towards God. But they aren't to be the ones that lead us. His word is to lead us. And obviously, his sheep know his voice, and there's emotion involved in there. I don't want to get too involved. But I think in my life that I see that I base my life's decisions based upon emotions more upon what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. And that's not a good, healthy thing. So when it comes to these decisions that the Lord's speaking to you in matters of sin, repent, turn, give him your will. Yes, I know I want to do it and I don't really care about it, but this is what I need to do because it honors you, Lord. And you begin to walk in that direction contrary to how you feel. Try it. It's good for you. <laughs> That's the under, understate it. The second thing, stop blaming when we repent. Everyone else, you know, it's, it's all their problem. It's all their fault. I am who I am because of them. Okay, maybe, you know, our parents messed up and all this stuff, but it only takes, what, a couple weeks of being a parent to realize, okay, well, maybe, you know, they had some circumstances that were kind of tough. And then you get five years into it and you realize, you know, I'm kind of worse than them, you know, or, or whatever it might be. But to stop blaming others, you know, that's the first thing that Eve did in the garden. Remember that? What did she say? It wasn't me. It was the snake. You know? Well, Adam started. He said, it wasn't me. It was this woman you gave me. And she started blaming the serpent. It's taking ownership. It's me, God. The buck stops here. I messed up. Other people are responsible for what they do before God and what they've done to me. But this is my part of the game. Amen. What you say is true. So, repent to change your mind, to agree with what he says. Two, the second part of repentance, stop blaming others and just say, yeah, it's true what I'm saying. And, and I would say this, sin has its roots in selfishness and pride. Boy, I love selfishness. Don't you? And it's exactly contrary to God. I know that sounds bad coming from the pulpit, but what I'm saying is that... At my core, my sin nature loves to take care of Matt first. I don't know if you'd agree with that in your own life, but I think that's kind of how I work sometimes. 
But what God say, what Jesus would have us do is to deny ourselves and take care of the other person first. And I see that a lot in you. I see a lot of you giving of your own selves to help other people. And the Lord will bless you. Keep going in that. Keep doing it. I want to encourage you. Keep denying yourself and following after Jesus. So that that first message was repentance. And I really want to make that clear because in the church, that is the lost message. The message that the church, I say the church meaning the big church outside of these walls that I see in evangelical Christianity is come to church, become a part of this community and you're saved. That's not the message. You have to go through the door. You have to go through him. And there's a nasty business that has to be done there. Your sins have to be dealt with. Once that's done, you're now part of the fold. You're part of the community. Come on in. But we got to remember the first part of the message is repent. No other way around it. It's not fun. But that's God's message, not mine. That's the kingdom of God. So repent. And John's ministry was not all that God had for his people. And I want to read here the beginning of John of, of Mark that just repentance is not all that God has for us. The beginning of the gospel is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare his way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the path. Speaking of our, our hearts, right? The kingdom of our hearts. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to, went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River, and John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and Luke says, with fire. How many of us as Christians have gotten to the forgiveness part and we don't have the second part, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Boy, and I'm not talking about, you know, the second blessing, all types. I'm just talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit as Christians. You know, we can come from a very super hyper charismatic angle. And I have brothers and sisters of, of, of that slant. And we can put all the emphasis and it gets kind of out of whack. But still, there's a, there's a section of there where God wants us to be filled with Him. His Holy Spirit should be in us and filling us. The overflowing to where we have fire flowing out of us. To where we're, when, we, when we reach people, when we talk to people, it's God's words just flowing through us. It's this life of whatever you say, Lord, is where I'm going. How many of you are living that now? Guess what? God wants that for us how many of our living are how many of us are living the pre-pentecost life and i just using this as an example the pre-pentecost life when peter i will go to the i will die for you lord jesus i love you're excited about god you love him you go and you take care of his people and stuff, but guess when when it comes down to truly dying you don't have it in yourself and you deny him and you walk away You know, and I love it in Terry's class when he said that, you know, when he explained the, uh, 
you know, when Jesus restored Peter because he, he denied Jesus and he walked away. He says, do you love me? It's Peter back and goes on one-on-one. He says, do you love me? You know, do you, do you agape me, Peter? And Peter goes, you know, I love you like a brother. I phileo you. Jesus says, no. Do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me? Remember that thing you were talking about back there, Peter, where you said you would go to the cross for me? You would just unconditionally love me and follow me with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, no matter what? Do you love me with that kind of love, the kind of love that God has? Peter's all you know. I love you like a brother. That's where it ends. How many of us are there with the Lord? Where we're just, I love you like a brother, Lord. But it's just not all the way. It's just not totally abandoned to you. I'm holding on to some things. I'm there. And then Jesus brings it down. He goes, do you love me like a brother even? Peter goes, ah, and he breaks down and he cries. And the Lord restores him and he says, guess what? Let's go. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, guys, and I want you to wait. I don't want you to step into the ministry that I have for you until you're filled with the power to do the ministry that I've called you to do. And I feel like many of us, in, in my experience, we try to do the work of God apart from the power of God. And we get man's results. We organize our armies. We go, oh, look at, if we can just do this, 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 and have this program, or, or if I can just do this in my family. When we just need God to be in the middle of it, we need his power flowing through us, because I can't organize it. I'm not that smart. Just need him. How many of you just need him this morning? I just need him. Lord, I don't understand all the theology and all this stuff. All it says here in Luke is that, let's just read that together. Luke chapter 10. Flip over. Mark to Luke. Your Bible's in front of you. Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry, chapter 11. Hold on here. starting in verse 5. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes in to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now is this person in need? Lend me three. If you're going to someone at midnight, you're in need, right? Because a friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. This is verse 7, Luke chapter 11. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in my bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. I'm sorry. Though he will not get up and give him uh, the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. As much as he needs. Everybody listening? Verse 9, So I say to you, ask. And it will be given to you. Now, what are we thinking about this verse? It's about my needs, my things. Now, listen, keep going. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And him who knocks, the door will be opened to you. Which of your fathers, uh, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then... Though you are evil, in other words, not like God. If you, doing these good things, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give you what? The Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask. 
How do we receive the Holy Spirit? How do we ask for more of Him? The same way we came to Jesus, we ask. <laughs> we don't have to jump through all these hoops and crazy stuff. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against these are you know, how many of you need more of that in your life? Oh, please, God. As it's been exposed as the women have been away and I have two little kids running around and I'm not very patient. <laughs> have you asked your Father to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Or has your theology gotten in the way? He just wants to give. And it's not a hocus-pocus thing. It's just God filling you with Himself. He wants to be inside of you. He wants to fill you and be with you and empower you. And then we see Peter at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit filled him. And what happened? The same people that he denied Jesus in front of, that he couldn't stand, and that he was embarrassed to be in front of. He stood in front of and preached, and thousands came to the Lord. That's a different Peter. What's the difference? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we want to have the baptism of repentance. Lord, forgive me my sins. But that's not where it ends. It can't end there. Because He's created us for a purpose on this earth. And we cannot fulfill this purpose without His power, without Him flowing through us. That is the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking that He would pour out Himself upon us now, this week, not because we deserve it, but just because He says He would. And I know He keeps His word. So Lord God, please graciously fill us with Your Holy Spirit now. We're sinful. We need help. Please, Lord. What I live about the Holy Spirit is that it gives us power. It gives us power over sin. It gives us power to love with God's love. How we need it. I say it. How we need Him. <laughs> Just God with us. Jesus said, Fear not, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you guys as orphans. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a helper. How many of you need help? I need help. And that's that's one of my prayers to God often. It's just help me, God. Help. I'm struggling. I'm failing. I'm falling. Help, Lord. Help me. And how he says in in Matthew chapter 1, he says, you know, blessed are those who are, are poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning over our sin. He shall comfort you. There's a lot we have to grow in, but the Lord's power upon us, power to preach, power to bind up the broken, power to proclaim freedom to the slaves, power to release prisoners, power to proclaim God's favor. That sound familiar? The same ministry that Jesus had is our ministry today. It continues. His ministry continues through us. I know I'm not getting very far today, but this is important. Jesus would be baptized here by John. 
and you kind of think, you know, let's just read ahead actually here. All right, I got to go back to Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Well, 8 says, I baptize you with, the water, uh, with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I keep adding with fire because that's what Luke says as well. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. You know, three things here real quickly. Jesus was baptized. Why was he baptized? He was identifying with us, not that he needed forgiveness of sins whatsoever. But it's like all of us have notes, things we said that we would do that we couldn't actually contractually finish. And Jesus took all those things and penned them to himself on the cross and said, I'll pay that for you. And he was identifying with us as a, as a man when he went into that water said, I'm going to take the fullness of this upon myself. And so when he came up out of the water, second thing is that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down and descended upon him because this was his work of the ministry and he needed to be empowered for it. Holy Spirit came upon him. But And then I want you to notice the next thing that happened is he said, you are my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit is a seal upon his people. It's a seal into the day of salvation. And what it says to us is, these are mine. I've purchased these people. And when you have the Holy Spirit percolating in your life, as the scriptures say, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the, the, the Greek is continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let it be a lifestyle. When you have that going on in your life, you have this assurance from the Father that yours is. And you're not questioning your salvation back and forth. You're in relationship with Him and you know Him. And He's well pleased with you. You feel it in your heart. How we need that. We need that assurance. So, seek Him. Ask Him for the Holy Spirit. Let Him continue to fill you and respond to the Holy Spirit. When He says to stop, move left, right, we do it. Continuing on quickly and at once... The Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels tended him. Before we can go out into the ministry that God has for us, I believe, like Jesus, there needs to be a, 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 a season of testing. Not to say that we won't be tested all the way through, but we see that with many people. Moses was out in the wilderness for 40 days as a type. These guys protest to the 10th degree. Um, we look at Paul. He was out in the wilderness, as we as we read. Um, any person who's going to be used by God, God will test and try before that happens. Jesus was tempted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, as we read. And I want to pick it up there next week and just bust through the rest of this chapter. Um, and so uh, I think I want to stop before we switch gears. The important thing that we're learning today is are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus wants to baptize you, not with just repentance. That's the beginning. But he wants to have the life that follows. And we wonder, what's going on with the church? Why aren't people being saved? Why are the people coming to church, Christians, 
who are dissatisfied with another church. That's why I preach, don't bring them to church, bring them to your house. And by the way, after that, we can all come fellowship together. We can all come and worship the Lord together here. But you're the church. Bring them to your house. Love them. Minister to their needs. Find out what's going on. We have two home fellowships that are going on. This Wednesday night at Fred Sweet's house, Keala's study is going to be this Wednesday night. Come and join them. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Myron Melling's house. Come hang out. Get to know people. Invite some friends. I think we just need to ask the Lord for more of them this week. More of you, Lord. Will you continue to work on this man that you've decided you wanted to buy with your precious blood? I have no idea why, God. Nothing redeemable in this thing for me. The more I walk with you, the more I realize how messed up I am. The more grace is poured out. But Lord, change me. I don't care how long we've been walking with the Lord. It's time for us to change. You know, you've been walking with the Lord for for 20 years or more. Man, you should be full of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, (laughs) peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You're a beginner. You should be hanging out with those people. Amen? Lord God, we need you today. And we lift up our hearts to you and our minds. And our emotions take us everywhere, Lord. But we need what your word says here, Father. And I just read it straight out. And there's just a deep need for repentance. And there's a deep need for you, Lord Jesus, to fill us. I pray that you'd open up our hearts and our minds so that next time as we go through your scripture, we would just be open to what your spirit would say to us. I pray that this wouldn't be our only meal this week. You'd encourage your flock here, Lord. Encourage me, Lord, to be in every day. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Bless this this flock. Bless their families, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, amen.